Welcome once again to the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. How's everybody doing? I'm so glad it's Friday. We have got a great show for you. This is going to be my high school basketball show. Going to recap football as well. Because it is Friday and you are listening to us on WQEE 99.1 FM. The key now from 2 to 3 right after Rod Peterson. And right before Braves Country Baseball with Mac McGee and the armchair quarterbacks. Such an incredible sports lineup. But we do have an incredible show for you today. Because on the show, I'm going to have my broadcast partner and co-host, Corey Bank, as we are going to preview Week 15 in the National Football League and going to recap that San Francisco 49ers Seattle Seahawks game that happened last night. And I am going to start with that game. But we do have an amazing show for you as the bowl season officially starts. In fact, we have Miami of Ohio taking on UAB in the Bahamas Bowl. Should be going on right about now when you're listening to this broadcast. And then we've got the NFL Week 15. Going to make some picks and talk a little bit about some of the local stuff going on in the Chattahoochee Valley. But let's start with the 49ers Seahawks. The San Francisco 49ers defeated the Seattle Seahawks 21-13 to win the NFC West for the first time since 2019. And these long-hated rivals that I'm always watching this game, I'm on pins and needles. This was the biggest rivalry for a decade. The 49ers defeat the Seahawks twice in the regular season for the first time since 2011. Now, they don't win much in Seattle. In fact, Russell Wilson and the Seahawks dominated the 49ers for years. The 49ers were able to get the victory over Seattle, and it really hurts Seattle's playoff chances as they fall to 7-7. Seven and seven. And the 49ers doing it with Brock Purdy. What can I say about Brock Purdy? I know it's a small sample size. But Brock Purdy started 9-for-9. He had the touchdown pass. That double pump screen was just incredible to George Kittle. And the 49ers, what the turning point was in that game was the strip fumble by Dre Greenlaw, the scoop and score by Traverius Ward. And the 49ers were up 14-3. They went up 21-3. It got a little tight toward the end, but the 49ers were able to hold on. And Christian McCaffrey, running the football, he had over 100 yards rushing. The 49ers are just such a dynamic offense since they had Christian McCaffrey. And they didn't have Debo Samuel in the lineup. But I was looking at this team from start to finish. There were some situations where Brock Purdy got into a third and long situation, playing the Seattle Seahawks in a hostile environment on a short week. The 49ers able to get the victory. They are 10-4. and And they have some time off before they take on the Washington Commanders on Christmas Eve, which could be a preview of a first-round playoff game. I believe the 49ers are going to at least get the number three seed. Let's try to go for that number two seed. I think the 49ers have winnable games against Washington, against the Raiders, and against the Cardinals. And I believe they're going to finish the season 13-4. and and get into the playoffs, possibly get the number two seed. I think the number one seed is out of reach because the Eagles look like the best regular season team, and they are going to host a playoff game 
with a first-round bye. But this San Francisco 49ers team, can they reach the Super Bowl with Brock Purdy? Well, absolutely, because they're not asking him to do a lot. The 49ers have the best defense in football, and they have weapons all around Brock Purdy. Let's start with George Kittle. The offense was opened up because of George Kittle's two touchdown passes. He had 94 yards receiving, and he killed me in my fantasy team because my opponent that I'm playing has the best record in fantasy football, had George Kittle on his team. Now, I started Brock Purdy once again because my quarterback options are very limited. Lamar Jackson's still going to be out, and I also have Mike White, and I'm not sure how he's going to do against Detroit. So I decided to start Brock Purdy. He gave me 16 points. Not too bad, but I'm telling you, the San Francisco 49ers look like a different team, and now the big question is what to do with Trey Lance in 2023. Let these two battle it out for the starting job in 2023. You can trade Jimmy Garoppolo, probably can go to the Tennessee Titans or the Houston Texans. Somebody needs a quarterback, just don't trade him in the division. But the San Francisco 49ers have a good problem to have in 2023 when Trey Lance is fully healthy and he is back. Still a small sample size, but I am starting to become a believer in Brock Purdy, and I'm just excited to watch this kid play. He has got so much of the intangibles that you want in a quarterback. Says the right things. It says it's not about him. It's all about the team. And that's what you need from Brock Purdy going forward. Hey, we got a World Cup final on Sunday. Argentina taking on France. France moves on after beating Morocco. And you got Keelan Mbappe, considered one of the greatest soccer players right now playing in the World Cup with the most goals in the World Cup, taking on the ageless wonder Lionel Messi for Argentina. Now both countries have two World Cup titles in their history, so the winner is going to have three. And this is going to be an exciting matchup. 10 o'clock down in Qatar, and I can't believe the World Cup is over. But then that just means we get in time for indoor soccer. The Columbus Rapids will have a friendly December the 29th. The women will be first on the pitch at the Columbus Civic Center against the Concord Fire South All-Stars. That is the club team in Columbus. And the men will take on LeMayo, which is a club team out of Atlanta. We had recent news that the Columbus Rapids just signed Carly Smoltz to the team. She played collegiate soccer at Lee University, and she is from Atlanta. You're probably wondering, why does that last name sound so familiar? Well, she is the daughter of Hall of Fame Braves pitcher John Smoltz. I'm excited. As the broadcaster for the Rapids, i got to promise myself not to get starstruck if I happen to meet John Smoltz. But I would love to see him at Columbus Rapids games, and I would love to interview Carly and really just talk about her soccer career and don't really want to ask the question, what's it like to be John Smoltz's daughter? She probably gets that all the time. She's trying to get her own identity as a soccer player, and we're looking forward to having her on the Rapids. Well, in the NBA, the Atlanta Hawks, they play the Charlotte Hornets tonight, but they just had an abysmal performance against the Orlando Magic, giving up 50 points to the Magic the other night. And if Trey Young can't go, the Atlanta Hawks are just not the same team with John Collins and DeJounte Murray out of the lineup. But hopefully they'll be back. 
But the big game was the Memphis Grizzlies making a statement over the Milwaukee Bucks. And that impact of Desmond Bain, he's only played 12 games. But Desmond Bain in the lineup makes the Grizzlies so much better. They were able to beat the Bucks 142-101. to And they now have the best record in the Western Conference after the New Orleans Pelicans lost to the Utah Jazz. So the Grizzlies at 19-9, they look amazing. And can the Grizzlies make it to the NBA Finals? That would be great for the city of Memphis. And I've always been a Memphis Grizzlies fan, especially when I was living there in 2005 for a brief period. And the Grizzlies look like the best team in the Western Conference. Steph Curry is going to be out for a couple of weeks with a shoulder injury. And I expect the Golden State Warriors to start losing some games. If you don't have Steph Curry in the lineup, it is hard to compete in this league. I mean, he is their best player. And they just don't look like the same team. There's just something wrong with the Warriors this year. It could be the whole Draymond Green fiasco in the beginning of the season. But uh, we'll see. All right, some local action. Columbus State. The men's team, they lose to Lander. Yesterday afternoon, they fall to 7-4, and 0-2 in the Peach Belt Conference play. Wisdom Ebdo with 14 points. And uh, they'll get some well-needed time off for Christmas. They will travel to UNC Pembroke on December the 31st for the rematch against UNC Pembroke. And the Lady Cougars, congratulations to Coach Hauser and the Lady Cougars. For getting the big victory over Lander, 76-64. Latia Reeves, only a freshman, scoring 22 points. And they go to 6-3, in the Peach Belt. And they will play Alabama Huntsville on Sunday. The LaGrange College Panthers in action tonight at the Mariotti Gymnasium against the Mississippi University for women. And then the Columbus River Dragons take it on the Elmira Mammoth tonight at the Columbus Civic Center. Puck drop at 7.30. You can catch the game on WQEE 99.1 FM, the key. Hey, it is bowl season. I'm excited about the bowls. You know, we have two bowls today as you have Miami of Ohio taking on UAB. And then a battle of two ranked teams We have Texas San Antonio taking on Troy. And UNLV has a new offensive coordinator. You know, I'm a big fan of UNLV basketball. I'd love to see their football team do something. Bobby Petrino, he's going to be the offensive coordinator for head coach Barry Odom. And since UNLV started playing football at the FBS level in 1978, they have only been to four bowl games. I had to go back and look at their history. 1984 was their best record ever. They went 11-2. Their quarterback was Randall Cunningham. However, they had to forfeit all their wins because of ineligible players. UNLV hasn't really done much in football. I think Bobby Petrino can be the type of coach that can get players to Vegas because I feel that that's a pretty decent-sized market for college football, plus playing at Allegiant Stadium. That is going to be great. Hey, high school basketball, I'm telling you, we are in the thick of it. We're getting ready for some Christmas tournaments, including the Muskogee County Christmas Tournament happening next Tuesday. But right now, I'm going to rank my top five teams for Georgia and top five teams for Alabama. Right now, the Spencer Green Wave is 5-2. and two. After getting a big win over Kendrick, the defending state champions, They're going to start playing in this Christmas tournament, and I'm looking forward to that. 
The LaGrange Grangers still undefeated. They are 7-0. They are looking good as well. The St. Ampicelli Vikings, they are 3-1. And I know it's early in the season, but now that they're playing in the GIAA, I think the St. Ampicelli can really start rattling off some wins. And then the Columbus Blue Devils, 7-4 after getting a victory over Shaw on Tuesday. They make my top five list. And then the Northside Patriots wrapping things up at 4-2. and two. Some of the other teams in action, the Carver Tigers, they've only played three games so far. They are 1-2 and two on the season. They are taking on Drew. You got Chatco right now, 4-2. and two. They're taking on Schley County. The Manchester Blue Devils are 2-0 and oh on the season. You got Hardaway at 3-6. Harris County at 2-4. Troop County at 3-3. Three three. The Shaw Raiders, they've really had a disappointing season so far. They are 1-8, and, and they are taking on Northside this weekend. And rounding out the teams from West Georgia, the Jordan Red Jackets at 2-3, and, and then the Kendrick Cherokees at 3-4. But hey, I'm looking forward to this Christmas tournament. Uh, can't forget about the Brookstone Cougars as well, having a decent season so far. But now let's go over to Alabama because right now there's a team that's head and shoulders above everybody else. It is the Valley Rams, still undefeated at 9-0, looking very good. They are 1-0 in 5A, Area 7. And after getting the victory over Lochapoca, 67-52, they are taking on Eufaula tonight in a tournament that is going to continue on Saturday when they take on Harris County. The Auburn Tigers basketball team, 12-1 so far. You know, their only loss was to Benjamin Russell. But they've gotten some big wins over Hewitt Trustville and Thompson. They defeated Hardaway, Lochapoca. Well, they're taking on Lafayette tonight. Lafayette is 7-1. This is a massive game between two teams out of the Chattahoochee Valley. Lee Scott Academy is 8-0 on the season, 1-0 in the AISA. You know, they won a football state championship. They're getting ready to actually go undefeated in basketball, taking on Southland Academy on Monday. They defeated Brookstone last week, 54-52. And uh, Lee Scott Academy has got a game against St. Ampicelli on December the 28th. That is going to be a massive game. And then, of course, they got to take on Springwood and Glenwood. A lot of talented teams in the AISA. And then let's talk about those Glenwood Gators. 7-2 and two on the season. They are 2-0 and oh in the AISA. They will take on Alabama Christian Academy this Saturday. After beating Calvary Christian on Monday, 68-41, to Glenwood is looking very competitive. And Russell County, now the Russell County Warriors are looking pretty good as well. They got a big win over Eufaula, and they were able to defeat Lochapoca last night. And the Russell County Warriors are 8-2 on the season and they will take on the defending 7A state champions, the Enterprise Wildcats, on Wednesday, December the 28th. And Smith Station right now, they are currently 5-4. and four, And they are going to get ready for this Lee County Christmas tournament. And then the Central Red Devils at 7-4, and four, taking on Gadsden City, their next opponent. Opelika, 
sits at four and three. So those are some of the top teams in Alabama. So my number five looks like this. Number one, Valley. Number two, Auburn. Number three, Lee Scott Academy. Number four, Glenwood. And number five, Russell County. I think the Valley Rams can win a state title for 5A. They have a talented player, Cam Dooley, who also played on the football team. And he has got the Rams playing at a high level. I'll tell you what, I'm really excited about this Muskogee County Christmas Tournament. It's starting December 19th. Here's the slate of games. So the Hardaway girls team will take on the Jordan Red Jackets at Hardaway High School at 6. And then you got the Kendrick boys taking on the Carver Tigers at 7.30. Over at Spencer High School, you have the Spencer girls taking on the Columbus Blue Devils at 6. And then you have the Spencer boys taking on the Shaw Raiders. Over at Shaw High School, you have the Shaw Lady Raiders taking on the Carver Lady Tigers at 6. And at 7.30, you got the Columbus Blue Devils, boys varsity basketball team taking on the Hardaway Hawks. Over at Northside, you got the Northside girls taking on the Kendrick Lady Cherokees at 6. And then at 7.30, the boys Northside Patriots are taking on the Jordan Red Jackets. Now this tournament will go all the way to December the 21st. So I'm really excited about this tournament. And the Muskogee County School District does a great job. Jeff Battles, the athletic director. And it is going to be just incredible. And I can't wait. And you can watch these games. They're going to be streamed live as uh, Thrift Behringer will be on the call. Uh, such a great play-by-play announcer. And so uh, good luck to all those teams in uh, those Christmas tournaments for Muskogee County. We still have some high school football news. As you know, last week we wrapped up the state championships. And just congratulations to all the teams in the state of Georgia. Starting with 1A Division I, congratulations to Bowden. They beat Schley County. 1A Division II's winner was Prince Avenue Christian. Over in 2A, you had Thompson beating the defending state champions Fitzgerald Purple Hurricane. Now over in 3A, Sandy Creek wins the title over Cedar Grove, but it did not happen without controversy. In fact, that video clip of the running back not getting in in the end zone has gone viral, but Sandy Creek still wins a state championship. Now they are strongly considering putting replay into the GHSA, so we'll see what happens with that. For the 4A state championship, Benedictine goes back-to-back. A goal-line stance in the pouring rain to defeat Cedartown. In 5A, Ware County gets the big win over Warner Robins, denying them the three-peat. And over in 6A, it's all about Langston Hughes. A powerhouse, in fact, they are ranked one in the final rankings for all the high schools 4A and above. Langston Hughes was able to beat Gainesville. And then congratulations to Mill Creek for getting a big victory in the 7A state championship against Carrollton. And I got to tell you, now the GHSA, they have voted the new site for the state championships for the next three years is going to be at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. 
There has been talks about them moving it back to the bins, mainly because of the inclement weather playing at Center Park Stadium. There were some of those championship games that were in the pouring rain, and a lot of players and coaches and teams were complaining about that. So that's a good move to have it back in the bins. I know that it's a much bigger stadium, and you're just going to have to block off some seats so it doesn't look like you're playing in an empty stadium because you get about fifteen to 20,000 fans, but you still have opportunities to get more tickets. I mean, seeing some of these games on the GPB Sports Network, you know, it seemed like at times they're playing in empty stadiums. All right, I'm going to run down all the NFL games for Week 15 this week. We've got a triple header Saturday. you got the Indianapolis Colts taking on the Vikings. I'm the biggest Colts fan right now because I want my 49ers to get that number two seed. The Baltimore Ravens, probably without Lamar Jackson, taking on the Cleveland Browns. Deshaun Watson has just looked terrible. And then the Dolphins in the nightcap, taking on the Bills, probably in nine feet of snow. That's going to be very interesting. Sunday, the Eagles taking on the Bears. Are the Eagles ever going to lose? They're 12-1. The Bears, which improved under Justin Fields, but the Eagles are favored by nine. You got Desmond Ritter making his first NFL start for the Atlanta Falcons, taking on the New Orleans Saints. The Lions and the Jets playing in MetLife Stadium, both teams fighting for their playoff lives. The Steelers and the Panthers. Panthers have been one of the hottest teams in football, beating Seattle last week. Here's a game that you know, Corey and I are not going to pick, but it's still a very intriguing game. The Dallas Cowboys taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Cowboys are a little banged up. They don't have a whole lot of help on the offensive line. They still have one of the best defenses in football. But Trevor Lawrence has improved as a quarterback, and he has looked great. And this is a home game for the Jaguars, but I think that the Cowboys are going to bring a lot of fans, as they always do. And I can't believe this line's only 14 points, but the Chiefs, playing the Texans. Maybe it's because the Texans are playing at home. Remember, the Texans played the Cowboys close last week. Because this is a home game for the Texans, do you think they cover? I mean, I would probably think I would get maybe Damian Pierce on my fantasy team or Brandon Cooks. And then you got the Cardinals taking on the Broncos. Normally, this would have been Kyler Murray versus Russell Wilson, but you're going to have two backups, Colt McCoy going up against Brett Ripken. Patriots taking on the Raiders. Josh McDaniel taking on his former team. You got the Tennessee Titans taking on the Los Angeles Chargers. The Titans have really fallen off a cliff, but they still have hold of this division and the Chargers fighting for their playoff lives. Tom Brady going up against Joe Burrow. This is the CBS primetime game, but the Buccaneers got embarrassed by the 49ers last week, 35-7. And Joe Burrow, he's got Jamar Chase back. The Bengals look like one of the best teams in the AFC. And then the Sunday night game, it was flexed into the Sunday night game. The Giants and the Commanders, right now the number six seed and the number seven seed in the NFC playoffs. If the season ended today, the Commanders are favored by four and a half. And then the Monday night football game, the two disappointing NFC teams. In fact, I cannot wait until the NFL flex schedules for next season for Monday Night Football because I know that a lot of people are going to watch this game because it's fascinating. Baker Mayfield going up against Aaron Rodgers. But both teams have been very disappointing this season. And then I'm really excited about the bowl season. I'll have plenty of shows on next week talking about all these bowl games. Going to preview 
the semifinal college football playoffs, the Fiesta Bowl, TCU going up against Michigan, and then Ohio State taking on Georgia. And plus, we have a bunch of bowl games to talk about as we get you ready for all the action. I think it's about that time in the show where I bring on my broadcast partner and co-host, Corey Bank. You don't want to go anywhere. Corey is going to be on the show. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the games happening week 15 in the National Football League. And we are also going to recap that 49ers Seahawks game. And uh, we are just getting started here on the show. We'll be right back with Corey Bank. You don't want to go anywhere. All right, we are back on the show. And I've got my broadcast partner and co-host, Corey Bank, as we get ready for the weekend. We've got a lot of great NFL games, but we're just going to preview three of them. Corey, how you been? I've been phenomenal, Richard. All right, well, before we get into our NFL picks and uh, talking about the bowl season, we did have a very intriguing Thursday night game last night in Seattle. These two hated rivals for a decade. It seemed like, well, the 49ers took care of business. They defeat the Seattle Seahawks 21-13. to They wrap up the NFC West, first division title since 2019. But the big story is Brock Purdy. A lot of people are talking about this young quarterback saying he is the real deal. Corey, are you a believer in Brock Purdy yet? Or is it till still too small of a sample size? It is too small of a sample size, but I have to say, in his first two starts, especially last night, he's been precise with his reads, and his completion percentage has been definitely something to be said. So over 60% of your throws in your first two starts, that's pretty good. He threw two touchdowns last night, no interceptions. That is very crucial. And being able to mix it up, he found George Kittle twice. So that's a dynamic connection because George Kittle is one of the best tight ends in the game. If Brock Purdy can really dominate with him, throwing the ball through seam routes, flat routes, everything in that regard, he's going to be very deadly as a quarterback. Now Christian McCaffrey had a great day as well. Had over 100 yards in the ground. Had about 130 all-purpose yards for the game. So Christian McCaffrey continuing to be a stud for this team. And their defense still creating a lot of havoc in the backfield, doing an excellent job on this winning streak they have, clinching out what it takes to be in the playoff berth. So this 49ers team has a lot to look forward to into into the playoffs in that regard. And Brock Purdy, as of right now, has been a serviceable as he can as a quarterback, Richard. It was a tough task for the rookie quarterback playing on a short week in a hostile environment against a desperate Seahawks team. And he started perfect, nine for nine. And he almost threw a pick to to Diggs. I mean, that was a pass that was dropped. That could have been a momentum changer because Seattle was only down seven to three in that first half. And the big scoop and score by Ward, the strip fumble by Dre Greenlaw was the turning point in that game. And the 49ers were able to get the 14 to three halftime lead. And they got the ball to start the second half. And once again, George Kittle was just amazing in the passing game. And they actually had to hold on for dear life. Seattle had a touchdown to make it interesting. 
And then on a third and one, Brock Purdy using his legs to get the first down to ice the game. He didn't have a perfect game, but he did not make the big mistake. He did what Kyle Shanahan asked him to do. And you are right. It's still a small sample size, but Brock Purdy can lead this offense. They have the best defense in football. Their offense is great. I think he does a little bit more than Jimmy Garoppolo. He's a little bit more mobile, but still, the jury is still out whether or not he is going to be the future for the San Francisco 49ers. Because remember, they mortgaged the future for Trey Lance. So I believe both these quarterbacks are going to go into training camp in 2023 competing for the starting job. That's actually not a bad problem to have, is to have two serviceable quarterbacks. But I think that this 49ers team can at least get to the NFC Championship. I think they'll have a tough time against the Philadelphia Eagles. But, man, seven straight wins, and this is the first time that they have swept the season series against the Seattle Seahawks since 2011. You know me, Corey. I'm a 49ers fan. I could not be happier. But also, let's talk about the Seattle side because Seattle is really now, and it looks like they may miss out on the playoffs, but do they go with Geno Smith as their quarterback or do they get a quarterback with the Broncos pick? Remember, they might get the number two overall pick because of the Russell Wilson trade next year. What do the Seattle Seahawks do as far as their quarterback situation for 2023? If I were them, I would take a look at young talent, go to the wishing well of the draft, and being able to find the best opportunity there. So they have a very pretty high draft pick, and there's a lot of decent quarterbacks coming out of year next year's draft. Maybe they get uh, Dugan. Maybe they get C.J. Stroud. Uh, perhaps maybe... Those two quarterbacks will probably be on the board at that point in time for next year for them. But the Seattle team in the last couple weeks have been not the same team to start the season. You're not seeing the same as that success in the running game because of riddled with injuries. You're not seeing the same exact impact of getting the ball out to Will Disley and DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. It's just not the same dynamic in that regard. So the Seattle team needs to look for young talent, not just at the quarterback position, Richard, but they're going to have to go get an offensive line, guard, tackle. They're going to need to get guys who are going to keep the pocket open for any quarterback they have going to next year, Richard. All right. I'm excited about the bowl season because we actually have two bowl games that are starting today, the Bahamas Bowl at 11 o'clock. Miami of Ohio taking on UAB, and then the battle of two ranked teams in the Cure Bowl at 3 p.m. UTSA taking on Troy. If you looking at the bowl schedule, I'm, I'm looking all the way until the college football playoff games. Which bowl games are you most intrigued by that you're probably going to sit on the couch and watch? Bowl games I'd be looking forward to, in particular for this weekend. I would have to say I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I would say the Myrtle Beach Bowl. Surprisingly, Marshall has looked like a really decent football team, and they beat Notre Dame earlier this year against University of Connecticut. For this week, that's something that I, I'm looking at for that regard. But SMU versus BYU, we always know that's going to be a very good game between those two teams for the New Mexico Bowl. 
And those two games this weekend, I'm looking forward to, Richard. All right. And Bobby Petrino has been named the offensive coordinator at UNLV. I talked about this earlier on the show today. UNLV in the history of their football program has only been to four bowl games. Is that a big enough splash to get UNLV relevant in football? Because I've always thought Vegas was a good market. That's actually a potential area for NIL recruiting. And they play in that Allegiant Stadium, home of the Las Vegas Raiders. Do you think UNLV can be relevant in football? I mean, that stadium, that stadium is great for public relations and getting the imaging out. So I think because they have a kind of field like that, that maybe UNLV does get an opportunity. I see this as a great way to build the program, not just through athletics, but get the recognition for the education aspect and what better way of positioning it right in that part of the country, Richard. NFL Week 15, uh, we'll go ahead and start with your Jets because I know you're optimistic. Mike White looks like he may play against the Detroit Lions. It's really a battle of two teams that are fighting for a playoff berth. The New York Jets are favored by one and a half, but the status of Quinn Williams, I, I don't think he's going to play. But the Detroit Lions, the matchup I like to see, Corey, is Jamison Williams going up against Sauce Gardner. And Jared Goff has improved. The Lions, they started one and six. They're now six and seven. And the Jets are in a three-way tie with the New England Patriots and the Los Angeles Chargers for that seventh and final playoff spot in the AFC. Corey, who wins this game? Are you going to go with your heart as a Jets fan? Or are you going to go with the hot team in Detroit? Well, in this game, it's a very interesting matchup. Like you said, both these teams have a playoff berth to be fighting for in this regard. So the Detroit Lions, 6-7 and seven in the season, Richard, and they last played against their division foe, the Vikings. Yes, they took care of them by a score of 34-23. Very interesting. So Jamal Williams didn't necessarily have the greatest day running with the football on the ground. 2.3 yards per carry. 16 carries for 37 yards, but a guy who stepped up in the game who seemed to be a very good target for quarterback Jared Goff last week was DJ Chark. 15.7 yards per catch, 94 yards on the game. Goff, really decent day, 27-39, 330 yards passing and three touchdowns. So this Lions team has really been putting it together, but the story is their defense. Their suffocating defense within the last month. No one saw coming. Getting the penetration they needed up front and being dynamic. Now that's going to be an interesting part of the game. I think this game is going to be part of the battle of the trenches. And like you said, no Quinny Williams for the New York Jets. Quinny Williams is one of the only guys within the last decade for New York Jets as a pass rusher and run stuffer to get over 10 sacks. So for him not to play potentially in this game is going to be truly a thing that the Jets are not going to be looking forward to. But on the Jets' side, Mike White, he showed true grit last week, Richard. He came back into the game after really hurting his ribs. He went 27-44 for 268. But Zonovan Knight, I'm gonna, it's the story for the Jets and their rushing attack. 
No one saw this guy, Richard, coming and playing at this point in time on the practice squad undrafted. The guy has been dynamic. He had four yards of carry last week, 17 carries for 71 yards, and once again, he won the rookie of the week award. So you have that, but then you have the Jets' leading receiver, Garrett Wilson, who's been excellent as of late throughout the time. Six catches for 78 yards last week, and the Jets' rush defense has been great all year long. Get C.J. Mosley in the middle, but no Quentin Williams this week. And you're right. That bat, that matchup between Jamison Williams and Sauce Gardner is going to be interesting. If Sauce Gardner plays bump and run coverage and gets all physical in the face of Jamison Williams, I think he might be able to win that matchup. But in this game, Richard, I'm going to have to say, and this is sadly I'm going to say this, I think the Lions are going to win this game. A very interesting pick, and that would actually put the Lions in the playoff chase because I think the loser of the Giants and the Commanders is probably going to miss out on a playoff berth, and the Lions are getting hot right at the right time. Let's move to the Raiders taking on the New England Patriots at Allegiant Stadium. Raiders are favored by one. This is a matchup of the student and the pupil. Bill Belichick going up against his former offensive coordinator, Josh McDaniels. At times, the Raiders look great. Josh Jacobs, a great running back. That connectivity between Derek Carr and Devontae Adams. But the Raiders are going to be the Raiders, and they shoot themselves in the foot, and they're not buttoned up. And they're going up against a very disciplined Patriots team that has a great defense. Probably no Ramondre Stevenson, but it doesn't matter who their running back is. They can plug and play just about anybody. But Mac Jones is limited as a as a quarterback. Do the Patriots go to Bailey Zappay, or do they stay with Mac Jones? I think the Patriots will probably win this game because it is Belichick, and you know he does a great job beating his assistants. He's kind of like Nick Saban in the NFL. I mean, he's able to beat his assistants. But, Corey, what's very disturbing is they have a play caller for the Patriots who is a defensive coordinator, Matt Patricia, calling the plays for New England. Uh, do you think the Patriots will still get the victory on the road against the Raiders? I still do think so. And I do think Mac Jones is going to be the starter in the game. He didn't have a bad week last week, Richard. He went 24-35 for 235 in the air. And yes, as of right now, the New England Patriots hold on to the seventh seed spot and they have the tiebreaker over the Chargers and Jets right now in the AFC. So, yeah, Mac Jones didn't have a bad game. And Pierre Strong was the best rusher last week for the Patriots. An astounding five carries for 70 yards. When do you ever see running backs average 14 yards a carry, Richard? It's not something you see very often. But a guy who stepped up last week, and I think he's going to be a very big security blanket in the past game for the Patriots, is Hunter Henry. 23 yards per catch, three catch for 70 yards. And they truly have gotten it together a little bit on offense. But the story is the Patriots defense, the suffocating defense led by linebacker, edge rusher, hybrid, whatever you want to call him, 
Matt Trudum. Absolute stud. He's going to be an all-pro player again this year. He's one of the leading sack leaders in the NFL. He's going to create havoc in the backfield for quarterback Derek Carr, who last week, Richard, went only 11 of 20 for 137 yards. Not too great a managing the offense. But we both know that they are a run-first offense, and that's because Josh Jacobs, they hit a home run drafting this guy. About 100 yards in the ground again. He's a top five running back in this league. He's the reason why, as a workhorse back, carrying the ball about 20, 25 times a game and truly running between tackles hard and really been dynamic for the Raiders. Devontae Adams, still incredible as your number one wideout. He seems to be the only receiver that Derek Carr has. So what happens when they're playing cover two? What happens when they're playing cover three? The point in the matter is is that the Patriots, they key on Devontae Adams, and they make sure that they stack seven guys in the box against Josh Jacobs. It's going to be a recipe for a win for the New England Patriots. The Desmond Ritter era has begun in Atlanta. You know the Atlanta Falcons control their own destiny? They win out. They're going to win that division and make the playoffs. But they have a very tough task against their longtime rival, the New Orleans Saints, who beat the Falcons earlier in the season, coming back from a big deficit. But the New Orleans Saints, they are favored by four points at the Superdome. And the Falcons at five and eight, they're only a game behind the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But Desmond Ritter, who's a rookie, he's taken over from Marcus Mariota, who's gone on the IR and actually is about to leave the team. But the Falcons are going to still do what they do best, run the football, play physical defense. Can the Falcons get the victory over a limited Saints offensive team with Andy Dalton? But the Saints still have a great defense. But who wins this game, Corey? It's a very interesting matchup because both these teams are jockeying for position in that very weak NFC South. But... Like you said, Richard, the Atlanta Falcons going to this game with a 5-8 record. If they win out, they probably will make the playoffs. But it's going to be a question because you have young talent. And Desmond Ritter has not been proven in the NFL yet. But scouting report says that he is a guy that gets outside the tackle box, makes throws on the run, and is a dual-threat quarterback. So that's something that they're going to be looking forward to. But guys like Drake London who last week had six catches for 95 yards. He's going to have to continue to be dynamic for this team in that regard. And then you have a backfield where you have guys like Cordell Patterson, who he can return kicks. He can line up as a receiver. And yes, when you put him in the backfield as a running back, he could run downhill, north and south, break tackles, and get out to the next level. He is a talent for this team. They're going to get the ball into the playmaker's hands in that regard. Now on the defensive side of the ball, they're going to have to really take care of business in terms of getting penetration up front and really creating disturbance by something that's not great by the Saints, their offensive line. But the Saints in this matchup looks like they're going to start Andy Dalton. 
Last week, he went 20 and 28. Passing, not a bad day. But it seems like their number one target, Chris Olave from Ohio State University. Very dynamic receiver. He averaged 16.3 yards per reception last week. And a guy they're going to have to get off and running if they're going to be successful in this game against the Falcons, it's going to be Alvin Kamara. Will Alvin Kamara get into the second level? Will they throw him screen passes? Will he get massive chunks of yardage? That's what will remain to be seen in this game. But in this game, I'm going to take the Atlanta Falcons and the young rookie quarterback, Desmond Ritter, is going to win in his first start. I am very optimistic. I hope that Desmond Ritter does well because he is the future for this rebuilding Atlanta Falcons team. Corey, we just have such a great lineup of sports this weekend as we get ready for the holiday season. Really looking forward to having you back on the show next week. But uh, do you have a prediction for the World Cup final on Sunday between Argentina and France? I think France is going to win the World Cup. Wow. Back-to-back World Cup champions for the first time since Brazil did it like the 1970s. But Kylian Mbappe is the next big superstar. And uh, that would be sad to see for Messi fans to to have him lose in a World Cup final once again. But it should be excited. 10 o'clock is going to be kickoff. Argentina taking on France. And both countries have two World Cup titles. So the winner is going to have their third World Cup. And we can't forget about that third-place game on Saturday. You got Morocco taking on Croatia. Morocco had such an incredible Cinderella season for the best African country to make it to the semifinals. But I really am excited about the World Cup and bowl season. And uh, we'll have plenty of time to preview the college football playoff semifinals, Michigan versus TCU. I kind of know where your heart's going with that one. And then the Ohio State taking on Georgia. But before I let you go, Corey, uh, it's just great having you on the show. Uh, What do you think about the Columbus Rapids signing John Smoltz's daughter? That right there is incredible PR. So do you think we might see John Smoltz at some Columbus Rapids games this year? Not out of the question. You know, he has broadcasting experience. We got to get him up in the booth with us. <laughs> Corey, as always, it's it's just great having you on the show. And thank you so much just for taking the time out of your busy schedule. And I'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Richard. Always a pleasure. All right. That was my broadcasting partner and co-host, Corey Bank. Thank you so much for listening to yet another show of the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. Don't forget that you can download and subscribe to the podcast. Stay tuned for Braves Country Baseball with Mac McGee and the armchair quarterbacks. That's happening next here on WQEE. Hope everybody has a great rest of your weekend, and we will talk to you next week. Bye, everybody. You are listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge, broadcasted on WQEE 99.1 FM The Key from 2 to 3 p.m. Monday through Friday. This is a local podcast that covers Columbus sports and beyond. If you would like to hear more of this podcast, you can download us on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And I hope you have a great rest of your day.